So now we've seen a high level strategy, let's dive into how we're going to tackle stuff on the staff. So we're going to be looking at groupings and develop a strategy for each. There's only three groups. There's the group of everything contained inside the staff. This you should be most familiar with, so it should be the easiest one. But then we'll also brush up on the two problematic areas, which are the top and the very bottom of the staff. So let's start inside the staff. This is the thing that should really be automatic. Even if it's been a long time, you're probably actually still able to play this, you know, inside out. Nevertheless, we're still going to be brushing up on it. So how do you tackle these groups of notes? Well, it's simple. You're going to play all of them, but we're actually going to do this one at a time, adding one note every time. So start with any note like A and then add a B and just go from A to B and then add C, go A, B, C. Then add D, and you're going to do that until you cover the entire range of that stuff. Once you've done all of the naturals, start adding accidental. So first add sharps, one sharp, two sharps, three sharps, and then start adding flats. So by the end of this exercise, you'll be able to play little tunes that cover anything within the, the staff, within that region, either in their natural form or with accidentals. All right, so that's the easy part, but what about the top and the bottom? Those are two distinct zones, and so they each need their own strategy. Before I get into the details of that, you need to also be very familiar with the same process for the bass clef. Um, it's exactly the same, adding one note at a time and then doing the accidentals. And the relevance of it is this right here. So this is the strategy number two here, which is what are we doing with things between staves? And let me show you how the, the bass clef and the treble clef are actually related. So if you put them one on top of the other, this is what it looks like. And it might start to look familiar, especially if you're a pianist, right? There's an overlapping zone, and this is very interesting for you. It's like half the work once you fi figure that out. Okay, so watch this. You're going from F, going up a step, you're getting G. A... B, C, D, E, F, and now you're probably starting to see the pattern coming here, right? Those two, if you put them side by side, you can actually imagine the ledger lines for the bass clef, the top ones, as the actual five lines, right? The staff from the treble. And if you have that picture in your head, then you don't need to memorize this anymore. And the same thing works when you're trying to think of the opposite, the treble clef, with the lower ledger lines. So they actually correspond to what you had with the bass clef, right, on the on the right-hand side. So here too, once you go down past the C, the, the central C, right, you start getting into the territory of what really is the bass clef, right? And if you're just keeping that in mind as you're going through, you almost see this invisible bass clef at the bottom, you automatically know what those bottom ledger lines are without even needing to calculate anything. So basically, the only thing you really have to memorize is what's above or below, you know, those two sections that don't overlap because, you know, everything else is covered in strategy one and two. We've seen it already. Alright, so let's get memorizing. How do we do it? We simply memorize what we call reference notes. So there's just going to be two notes in each case that you're going to commit to memory. And that's quite easy, right? So four notes in total. And these will be kind of the central point whenever you're referring to anything in that zone. For the upper ledger lines on the treble clef, you're going to be looking at mi, which is E and A, or la. But let me also point out that you already know E 
me, right? That should be very familiar. You can just imagine a triad going from there, right? With me, sol, and si, or in English, um, e, g, and b. And on the other hand, you can also do it slightly differently. If you're looking at the, the notes immediately above and below, you could just memorize the A, because that's really practical to know it's out there. And you could be thinking of Sol and C, or G and B, as a note above or below. So me you know, La you know, probably the other note that I actually would memorize, because it's quite easy too, but quite practical, is the Do, right? So the same way we know A, just knowing a third above is C. I wouldn't calculate it, I would really just commit it to memory because that lets you also know what the notes might be in between and just recognize it really quickly when you see it. For the ledger lines under the bass clef, we have the same phenomenon. We memorize two notes. You already know G or Sol, so it's quite easy when you go down, right? A third, it's going to be Mi and Do or um, E and C. And that gives you two different options when it comes to thinking about notes. So one of them, for example, to find the note in between mi and do um, will be just to know <laughs> if you know mi, you know do, then you know that re is the note in between, right? The D. And similarly, if you know sol, instead of going up from mi, because that's kind of an invisible uh, note, but you already know that G, right? The last line, you know it's a G. So it's very easy to just go one step down and know that the next note down is going to be an F. So you can go from any of these notes in the triads to quickly spot, especially the, the notes in between those, those values. So I'm going to shift gears now to additional tips. Um, if you were really just looking for the core material, like the theory part, this is over. <laughs> you now have all the tools you need. But I'm going to touch a really quick uh, note on logistics, as well as on what to do if actually that um, part one, which I said should be quite automatic and easy for you. If that's actually hard, I'm just going to touch a word on that. So very quickly, for anything to do with logistics, you can actually purchase um, sort of programs or material that's already been written. I generally encourage you to, um, well, or at least for myself, I really love writing my own exercises, but this is one one of the very few exceptions when I will say you will learn absolutely nothing by jotting down, you know, sequences of notes with one, two, three, four, and so on notes, right? Um, so this is kind of not a very valuable use of your time. So if you, you do have the means for it, I do highly recommend, and it's not really that expensive either, to, you know, either get scores that already do an approach like this, or um, to, to purchase programs that do that. And some of them, like the software I use, has the stuff on the top and then they have a keyboard on the bottom and it auto-corrects you as well and scores you. So if ever you see that you're making mistakes, you can redo it again and again until it's perfect. And that really helps, you know, drill. First of all, because the material is done, so the 2.5 hours, the two hours and a half I spent, it's literally just sitting down and doing it. If you had to prepare the material be beforehand, it would obviously take you longer. And then the, the feedback, the instant feedback is also great because, um, you know, it can get very tedious. It's very repetitive. So after a while, your attention span might go down a bit. So having some kind of software that's tracking you is also, I think, money well spent. But depends on your budget and what you're able to afford. The last little tip I'll leave you with is if you are having trouble with um, memorizing or knowing, recognizing the notes within, you know, that first scenario within the staff, you can definitely memorize the lines, right? So um, 
EGBD or the space between the lines, F-A-C-E. And what I would add to that is that there are little poems that people use mnemotechniques, which I do not recommend, um, but they are quite popular, like every good boy deserves fun, for example. Um, and they're meant to help you kind of recall the order, but I, I really do want to point out it's really not a huge mental load, right? If you take three minutes, put a timer, and just copy that, you know, order of lines or of spaces for three minutes, I can guarantee you you're going to know them by heart by the end of those three minutes, and you will know them for life. Um, and parenthesis, I will say the same thing about the order of sharps and the number of keys, you know, G, D, A, E, B, F, C, F, C, G, D, A, B. Like, I do not believe that going through little poems and then remembering, oh, it's the third line, so it must be the third word of this poem. And then, okay, what is the first word, letter of that word? Okay, that's the line. That's a really long process. Uh, if you just learn the raw material as is, because it's really not that many items. You just have to memorize five letters or four letters, depending if you're learning the spaces or the lines, and then you're done. I think your memory can memorize five five notes, right? Um, and if you always know them in that order, you'll have like direct access to them as opposed to adding that extra steps of poems and decoding and then getting to your information. So that's my two cents. But of course, if it helps you to use it, a lot of people start that way and, and they do find it easy at the start, easier to remember. So definitely an option if memory is a little bit harder for you.